So the Senate actually passed monumental legislation waiting on the House to do the same. Yeah, you have the Senate. Been, they, they, they actually did something. Yeah, they took away an hour of my life that I will literally never be able to get back. That's what they're trying to do. Yeah, they're trying to shorten Thomas's life as much as they can because at all cost. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it just makes sense, right? You've all heard him over these 18 episodes. It's a, it's a, it's a personal vendetta for my just criticisms of our, our government. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. They need they need to get rid of you an hour sooner. <laughs> this is cancel culture to the extreme. You take really, away daylight savings time. I mean, they're canceling a whole hour of the day. Uh, if you haven't if you haven't seen or heard, this actually just happened today while we're recording this. Uh, the Senate passed a bill to make daylight savings time permanent, meaning we would not uh, fall back in the fall and spring forward in the spring. We would just stay with the spring forward and never change again. And I, for one, am excited. I hope this passes. This is something I've been hoping for. Like this is one of those things where like. It's obviously not important legislation and, and, you know, the grand scheme of things, but it's something that should have been like, honestly, like weed legalization is the same is on the same level to me. Like, it's just something that's obvious and should be done. And there shouldn't be a lot of opponents to it. Like we changed, we went to DST for like farming in like the 1800s. There's, there's no reason that we currently need to keep going back and forth while we're in 2022. What are your thoughts on daylight savings other than you losing an hour of your life? Uh, I don't have a strong opinion, but I am a little bitter that I'm not going to get an extra hour of sleep after they took away an hour of sleep, which I have two small children in the house. So they took away much more than just one hour because we're adjusting them. Yeah. So I'm with you. I'm, I got, I got, we got very little sleep Sunday cause everything. And then Monday too, cause everything was thrown off. But I will as a, point of correction and as a throwback to our best and worst presidents it was fdr who gave us daylight savings time so another thing we hold against him not only was he trying to sue somebody for a family garden he started daylight savings so now we're both on the same page he's probably in the bottom five for presidents oh yeah so he could do a war yeah. too yeah so it well the the in, not invention. I guess the invention of it was 1895 uh, in New Zealand, and then I didn't know that. And then Germany during the during World War One was aiming to alleviate, alleviate hardships due to wartime coal shortages and air raid blackouts, uh, and then it kind of populated from there. Got more popular from there, and yeah, it didn't come to the U.S. till. Till later, but yeah, that's interesting. I thought it was way more in the 1800s, but it's only 1895. So, but it was for farming. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, it was for agriculture. Yeah, I had that part correct. Just, I'm not a DST scholar because I hate it so much. <laughs> I, I don't. I, I've seen some people on Twitter talking about whether they should make standard time or daylight savings time. You know, standard time is the standard after all. I, I don't have a strong preference. Just pick one, but my weak preference is just DST. I, I like, I like not having daylight in the morning so I could sleep in and not get blinded by the sun. And I like light being out later in the afternoon when I'm, you know, getting home from work and can do stuff with the family. Like I like it being daylight late. Like it's, even as a kid, like I hated when it got 
night earlier because I had to go home. I couldn't stay out and play. Yeah, well, I understand. I, I like because well, I like having the sun up in the morning because it wakes me up a little easier. Um, so getting the kids ready and everything, like when it's still dark outside, that just sucks. Um, but it is nice to get home from work and be able to play in the yard for you know a couple hours till dinner and then finish up whatever games you didn't finish outside after dinner. Yeah, so, totally. I don't know. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so it still has to pass the House. I, I haven't seen any if it's going to one way or the other, but at least he got through the Senate. What was the vote? What was the yay nay on that? Did you see? I don't know if it. I guess it had to have gone to the full Senate floor, but I saw unanimous. Whoever whoever showed up to vote, I said unanimous. So <laughs> uh, I didn't really read beyond the headline because I didn't. I didn't really need to. I just saw that Senate passed the DST. Uh, it's like the sunshine. Yeah, I don't know what they call it. They got some stupid name for it. That's the worst part about Congress is like the names they come. Everything's got to be like an acronym. Everything's got to have some cool acronym that each letter stands for something. Uh, but yeah, so hopefully uh, sooner rather than later, we get rid of daylight savings. But that won't change the time we record. Uh, I'm in my basement, so we record at 8 p.m. Even if it's daylight out, I won't know. So it's not going to matter for me. I don't know how much it matters for you. I believe you're in like a closed off office as well. I am yep, also in the basement. So no windows. Also in the basement. So yeah, for the 1v1 podcast, doesn't really matter for us. We're going to be recording day daylight or nighttime. And we don't care. It doesn't change anything for us. But you can find us on Twitter at the rake, but the A's of four. My co-host, as always, at Thomas Black underscore 86 shows Twitter's at OVO Deep State. Join our Discord. Thomas still isn't in it. We've been talking about Ukraine for weeks now. Uh, I'm kind of, I'm not saying, I don't want to say I'm like fatigued from talking about Ukraine, but I don't have any more points I can make that I haven't already made on our podcast and in the Discord. And, and they both kind of run together for me. So I, I would have to re-listen to the episode to know what points I made on the sh- on the show and what points I was making in Discord. Because we've had, a, in the Discord especially, we've had a, a much wider ranging talk about stuff. So uh, join the Discord. It's a really interesting place to be. We also have places to talk about games, books, TVs. I saw the Batman the other weekend, which is the first time I've been to a movie theater in a long time. Uh, it was pretty good. If you guys, are, real good. If you're if you're on the fence, it's definitely uh, a PG thirteen Batman version of the movie Seven. If you're familiar with that, one of my all time favorite movies. Not nearly as good, but it's still good for a Batman movie. Uh, but it's like three hours long, and that's just it. There's it didn't need to be three hours long. Seven is one of your all time favorites. Yeah, Seven is an all time classic. Easy. Oh, it's a classic movie. I just, I'm surprised. I mean, so what are you talking like? Are we talking like top three? Uh, I don't know if I'd put it up there. Like if I was making a top three, top five list, but like as far as like thriller crime movies, I think it's one or two. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I can. That makes sense. Genre specific, but I'll say I, I thought you were putting it up there with like the Patriot or Braveheart. Or I know you're like a big Matrix guy. <laughs> I don't think the Patriot or Braveheart would crack my top 10. Oh my gosh. Do we, the worst. Do we need to start a movie podcast? Is that what we're doing? I know Josh was, uh, you need to listen Twitter. to a movie podcast more than start one. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think 
I don't think the Patriot and Braveheart might not even be Mel Gibson's best movies. Oh my gosh. Maybe Braveheart. You haven't said anything correct yet. And then we're eight and a half minutes in. Once we do the intro, we're supposed to move on to our main topic, but now we're getting sidetracked. (laughs) It's not how this is supposed to go, Thomas. Okay. Far away from Gotham City in Austin, Texas. Hey, Thomas, if you want to continue this conversation, join our Discord. <laughs> go on the go on the movies channel and let's talk about your favorite movie, your favorite Mel Gibson movies. And all of you can join us as long as you join that Discord. Uh, this week's topic, we're going back to the education series. We knew that uh, the Ukraine thing was going to pop off and it did. And that kind of changed our scheduling a little bit. But we're back on it. We we were debating whether we we're going to talk more about Ukraine, but as I said, I've I've talked I've had so many of my points. I'm, I'm just I don't know what to say anymore about Ukraine. It's I'm surprised they've lasted this long. I think it's interesting on Putin's end what he does for where he goes from here. Because even if he wins, he's got massive egg on his face. There are lots of protests. I just saw some some employee of a, one of the state news agencies like mm-hmm. held up an anti-war sign. And disappeared for 12 hours afterwards. Nobody could find her. Um, but like he's obviously losing grip on this whole thing at home in Russia. So it's real interesting to see. But I didn't think I could talk for it about for an hour. Uh, I just thought we should get on with the keep going with the education thing. But if something does change, if, if there's a truce, if the Russians win, if Ukraine wins, if they bring NATO into this, whatever. If something major happens, I think we can revisit it. But for now, I think we should just move on and, and just keep monitoring the situation. Yeah, there's really, I say, nothing new to say. I mean, the people who are suggesting different tactics, but we've kind of exhausted, like, here's what would be smart to do, and here's what you simply can't do. And they're suggesting, like, a number of things that we said last week. You can't do this, so. Yeah. Yeah, the no-fly zone thing is, is wild. Like, I... I I agree that a no-fly zone would protect Ukrainian citizens, but it would also lead to war because you can't have a non-conflict no-fly zone. Uh, I saw some other weird stuff about like using like non-lethal weapons that are not that would like keep the keep their planes grounded, like not not like microwaves or something. I don't know. I, I didn't really yeah. understand what they were going for or I've never even heard of the technology being used in that, that sort of way, but it's just a pipe dream. Like if we're going to do a no fly zone, we're not going to do a non-lethal no fly zone. We're going to enforce a no fly zone if that's what we decide to do, but that will 100% lead to a much bigger, bigger conflict. Oh yeah. Uh, I say, I mean, you can only, you can only tow so close to a line in these kind of situations before you cross it or before it's the, the enemy thinks you're going to cross it and, and, you know, acts in their own self-interest. I mean, so that's why even like, you know, delivering jets, you know, from uh, Poland, you can't, you can't do that. Like you can't get involved to that extent. So, I mean, I, th- I think we should pull as many economic levers as we can to bankrupt and at least at the very least not support financially any, any war effort. But man, after that, there's just nothing to me. There's nothing we can do until they, they go after a NATO ally. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree. Well, this is a new record 12 minutes in and we've talked about like three different topics and none of them are our main topic. So we'll go ahead and get right on that. Like I said, we're talking about education again. Last time, if you missed it, it was two episodes ago. Now we discussed CRT, what it meant, what, what both sides are kind of trying to do and how that's affecting our local County, Loudoun County. 
with what they're attempting to do. Because Thomas has kids in Loudoun County schools. I will have kids in Loudoun County schools unless I move somewhere before they join them. But it's not likely since I just moved and I'm probably never going to move ever, ever again. We're still not, we're still not unpacked and I still haven't painted my office, but that's besides the point this time we're going to talk about, I wanted to kind of get into the reaction, uh, countrywide to CRT as far as like at the state level, what's going on. There's been some new bills and law updates that have been passed in Florida and Texas that are in the same realm as this. And really for, for me, it's all part of a bigger plan or plot to kind of shape the youth, how conservatives want them to be taught and what they're, what they learn and ways to make sure that, that they have the mechanisms in place to enforce something like that. Uh, but that's the bigger issue at hand. Both of us have ties to Florida. I lived in Texas for a little bit. I don't know if you ever had uh, the, the I'm going to use quotation marks here, the pleasure of living in Texas. Uh, but they had a controversial bill, not bill, excuse me. The We were talking about this pre-show and it's kind of a convoluted situation. The attorney general issued a non-binding legal opinion about what constitutes child abuse and reclassified gender affirming care as child abuse and then the governor directed all healthcare providers in Texas uh, directed uh, what's a stronger word than forced. I don't know. That, that's maybe too strong a word, but is, is forcing healthcare providers in Texas to report all instances of parents seeking gender affirming care for their children to be reported to the state. And I imagine there's going to be punishment after that. You can be prosecuted uh, for, uh, seeking that gender affirming care. This is not CRT. This is not necessarily education, but we want to, we want to start with this mainly because in my opinion, like I said, this all kind of falls under the same kind of push that they're making. Um, but first off, what do you think about this new law in Texas? Or yeah, again, it's not a law. It's just a new, it's a reinterpretation of the law. Uh, it's, it's probably going to like Idaho. I know is already, copying this bill like this is what's happening lately is these in the conservative states where one state tries to do something and then once it once they pass it other states make copycat bills basically we, we kind of talked about it with the with the texas abortion bill however many episodes ago and now this is kind of a new one for for trans kids what what are your feelings on this i know you don't know a ton about it but yeah, you know, I think there's a, there's a couple of different perspectives that, like, I've just considered. Um, you know, on, on the one hand, it is, I think, inappropriate for the government to meddle in, within the family, you know, on, on family decisions, um, especially, obviously, decisions of, of just uh, personal ethic or identity and things of that nature. So I'm not, I'm not a fan of it from that perspective. Um, and, and some could argue, you know, well, you know, obviously, the government does have a right to protect uh, children. Um, and that's why he's calling it child abuse and things of that nature. Uh, you know, I think in those instances um, where, like, for instance, use the Department of Family Services get involved, um, it is against the things are happening to the child that are uh, indisputably child abuse. And it's against the, the nature of the child. You know, you're talking about physical abuse, sexual abuse, um, things of that nature. So in these scenarios, 
I'm assuming it still applies to a child that uh, believes their gender is different than the one they were born with, and the parents are uh, affirming the belief of the child, and there's kind of unity within the family. Um, and I don't think it's a good precedent to set that the government gets to step in. Um, I think the government would probably cite the higher rates of suicide among transgenders and um, a few different statistics and studies done by a number of different medical and, and uh, research universities um, and say they have a, a basically an obligation to protect the children from what is likely going to end up harmful. And I'm, I've never been I've never been a fan of that rationale. I don't think the government's responsibility is to protect individuals from themselves and from the choices they make. Um, but what I do think is reasonable in the bill is it's looking at this with, with, with judicial consistency, I guess, in the sense of, um, you know, you have to be a certain age before you can buy alcohol. You have to be a certain age before you can smoke. You have to be a certain age before you can join the military. So any of these kind of, you know, big responsibilities are life altering decisions. Um, in large part, I would assume because, until you get, I think, you know, young 20s, your brain is still forming. So your ability to make reasonable choices is uh, just not fully present when you're in your adolescence. You know, I, th- I think there's at least consistency in saying um, there's some lines that we don't want you to cross prior to kind of having the, the full mental capability to to think deeply and, and hopefully reasonably about uh, things of this magnitude. So, I mean, I, th- I think there's consistency there at least, but yeah, I, I'm just not a big fan of a, on, on principle alone of government stepping in and, and, and deciding family ethics. Yeah. I think, I mean, conservatives are supposed to be the party of small government and I think medical decisions, this ties into kind of the, my abortion views, obviously. Uh, it's really uh, not the government's business what goes on between you and your doctor, for the most part. I have this pulled up from PlasticSurgery.org, and that there's a statistic. First of all, I found that there's no laws on the age of when you can give a child plastic surgery. You just need parental consent, which is crazy, I guess. Not crazy. That's just something I didn't know, per se. But I think it overlaps with, you know, transgender kids and their gender affirming care. But 30,246 nose jobs were performed on patients aged 13 to 19 in 2015. Uh, So kids as young as 13 are getting nose jobs. 10% of all cosmetic surgical procedures in that in that age range, 13 to 19, were getting ear surgery for protruding ears to have their ears pinned back to their head, minor stuff like that. So while I will grant that having a, a sex change operation, swapping sexual parts is a much bigger, more complicated and uh, more serious decision than a nose job is. It's still not without precedent that teenagers get plastic surgery and alter their bodies more or less forever. Silicone breast implants are only approved for use in women age 22 or older. So we're not giving teens breast implants, which is good, I guess. Uh, But I think that the 
the overlap in my mind is granting all the things I said before about the seriousness of it, of getting a sex change operation to match the, the, the identity that you feel you are, you know, we're still, we still allow, I don't, I don't, I don't have the statistics about kids under 13, but 13 year olds getting nose jobs is not far without outside the realm. Uh, it's still major surgery. It's still getting anesthesia and all the risks with that and everything else. So to me, I don't see how you can, the state, the state would have to prove without a shadow of a doubt that like the parent is leading this, right? Like you had a child that, uh, was a boy and you wanted a little girl. So like the parent is forcing that on the, like, to me, that's child abuse. Yes. 100%. I don't think that's happening in the vast majority of these cases. I suspect not. I, I would wonder, um, you know, with the study you cited, though, of the nose jobs, um, how many of those were actually like, you know, obviously it's a cosmetic procedure, but how many of them are for non-aesthetic reasons? Because um, I believe there are several reasons you might get, you know, quote unquote, nose job. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Poor, yeah um, and, and my like even my um, my best friend, he he <laughs> a, a tree fell on him when he was doing yard work like cutting down a tree the tree fell on him and mm-hmm. he like busts up his face real good and needed a, a nose surgery to clean up in there and it turned out like he was born with like not born with a deviated septum but born with like a messed up nose basically like his whole life uh so mm-hmm. i assume there's some of that too but i from that plastic surgery one that i read it it the way they were framing it is it was cosmetic it wasn't like to improve medical conditions Gotcha. So why would, um, and I'm just curious, cause you mentioned like that you thought it was good that teenagers weren't getting boob jobs, but you seem to be in favor of a teenager being able to make with, with parental consent, you know, make a, a gender altering surgery appropriate. I mean, I don't know. I'm curious to pull on that thread. Some, why would boob jobs be inappropriate, but sex change be fine? I would say that a boob job is – I don't think a sex change operation for any age is done for cosmetic purposes. I think it's done for much deeper purposes than that. I think a, a boob job is almost certainly cosmetic, even with the excuse that it makes clothes fit better. Like it's it's sexual in nature. Uh, most women are getting them to look better and more attractive. They aren't getting them – simply to make that like they're not getting you know i'm gonna exaggerate here they're not getting like z cups to to fit and clothes better i think the sexualization of like 16 year old girls is already an issue i don't want to say just in this country like worldwide like it like when when girls start hitting puberty and hit, hit hitting that 15 16 17 year old range i mean this is the whole thing with epstein right like he wasn't he wasn't preying on nine-year-olds. He was preying on like the 16, 17-year-olds. Uh, I think that's already an issue. I think, especially with human trafficking, human trafficking and stuff, like it's just that it's not good to sexualize girls who are not, you know, adults, basically. I think that plays a part in it. Um, I don't know. I think it's the dangers of silicone, why they're not approved for under 22. I don't think it's a, any moral reason. Uh, I didn't, I didn't, I'd have to look into it. Uh, but just like on my, on the base level from a gut, what my gut says, that's, that's the issue, right? Like, I don't think 
a transgender teen at 16 is getting a sex change to be more sexy. They're doing it because they identify with that gender. They believe they're that gender and they want to have the sexual organs of that gender. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. That, that's an interesting position to take. I think still, um, that essentially a, a 16 year old girl might not have the maturity, uh, in a number of different categories to, to be permitted with parental consent to get a boob job. But a 16 year old boy would have all the maturity necessary, um, with parental consent to get a boob job and, you know, like to, to go, go even more radical, um, of a transformation. Sure. Um, yeah, that's, that's a, um, there seems to be still like some, some inconsistency, but I get what you're saying as far as, you know, one is not central to a person's fundamental belief of themselves, but in pursuing your fundamental belief of yourself, you are most probably doing the most radical thing you can do to your body. Yeah. And then again, like, kind of like I said at the beginning, like what I do like about it is we still, they still seem to be um, consistent with, there are some things and some choices that you might make that you need to have the maximum neurological development to be most assured that you won't regret this thing that could change your whole life, whether it be military drugs, alcohol, or in this case, uh, uh, gender changing surgery. Um, like I said, I think there's at least consistency there. And I think they would probably argue that given the different studies and surveys that have, have kind of been published now and how, how depression and suicide um, are among the highest for this particular demographic, saying we, we want people to wait. We, we don't want them to do something that's going to cause them a lot of regret. Yeah. No, I, I don't disagree with that in general. And I'm not even necessarily against 16 teenagers getting breast implants. Uh, I'm just giving, I was just giving my thoughts and reasons why if, if, if the 22 year age limit is not due to, you know, the potential, I don't know, like medical dangers, medical dangers. Right. Yeah. Like if it's just a moralistic ethical thing, I was just giving my opinion on why that would be. I think a, of course, a 16 year old is not the most mature person in the world or hasn't thought of, or doesn't, you know, doesn't have all the answers in the world. However, by 16, you have a pretty, pretty, good grasp of who you are uh and obviously with parental consent the government should basically have little to no say in how that goes uh, I, I think i'm still consistent on those parts i i would say that if i was going to apply the same logic to breast implants and sex change operations like i think the seriousness of the the how sex change is a more serious and more permanent, uh, not easily reversible or reversible at all operation means that the ones that are actually seeking that are way more serious about it, way more mature about it, have thought it through way more. In my opinion, I think the seriousness of it requires that. Uh, I definitely don't think so. I'm still on this plastic surgery website, right? It says the most rewarding outcomes are expected when the following exists. The teenager initiates the request. While, per, while parental support is essential, the teenager's own desire for plastic surgery must be clearly expressed and repeated over a period of time. 
Number two, the teenager has realistic goals. The young person must appreciate both the benefits and limitations of plastic surgery, avoiding unrealistic expectations about life changes that will occur as a result of the procedure. Number three, the teenager has sufficient maturity. Teenagers must be able to tolerate the discomfort and temporary disfigurement of a surgical procedure. Plastic surgery is not recommended for teens who are prone to mood swings or erratic behavior, who are abusing drugs and or alcohol, or who are being treated for clinical depression or other mental illness. That's just... (laughs) I'm sorry. It's not recommended for teenagers with mood swings and erratic behavior? Yeah. And like, I think that's... Obviously, there's like a spectrum of that. I think, you know... People, but I mean, I wasn't like, I don't know about you. I wasn't super moody or, or, or be described as having erratic behavior when I was growing up. Like, yeah, I got mad or yeah, I had, uh, when I was going through puberty, I might've had heightened emotions, but like, I don't think I would have been described as erratic. I think, I think it's within the spectrum. Right. But I mean, I do agree that like we, we, I think, I think the older generation always views the younger generation with these kind of characteristics but again when i look back on my i was you know mostly mostly non-erratic i would say i I can't imagine i can't think of a situation where i had erratic behavior so i think it's within i think it's within the spectrum and i think that this is just to get a nose job or have your ears pinned back to your head if you have big big sticking out ears like i think the same thing applies to you know sex change operation but all all gender identity affirming care like it should be a long over a long period of time. Like there should be whatever. I don't, I don't know if you can mandate a certain period of time, but like, it should be like the doctor should feel confident. The parent should feel confident and the teenager should feel confident. I know there's a lot of bluster about like, Oh, you're going to give like eight year olds sex change operations. I don't think anybody's okay with that, but I'm also not okay with giving eight year olds uh, pure cosmetic nose jobs when they, you know, when they don't need it, it's not, it's all within the same realm. Like again, it's, it's those permanent changes that we're talking about that have long lasting effects. Uh, there should be some level of maturity and I I like all of these. I think mature maturity, realistic goals and clearly expressed and repeated over a period of time. I think that's all essential when talking about trans kids as as it is with normal kids who want cosmetic plastic surgery. So I don't, I don't see a huge difference, but I do, I do 100% agree. I'm not trying to argue otherwise that a sex change operation is by far the most serious of what we've just gone over. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe it requires a little bit more dedication than, than normal cosmetic surgery. But I don't think, I don't think parents helping their children seek that sort of care over the long term should be classified as child abuse. Yeah. I, I think, you know, and when I look at all these things and, 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 I always think, what, what's the precedent that's being set here? If the government can do it in this instance, what else can they do, right? And, and I think that would be my biggest concern is if the government can kind of step into the family matters in, in these ways um, and, and, and instances of, like I said, ethics and identity and stuff like that and start saying if you teach this or if you allow this or encourage this, it's abuse and therefore the government can take your child from you. Um, and put you in like, man, that's just, that's a, that's a really dangerous game to play. I think, um, that's why I said at the beginning, like, you know, the, 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 those are some things in here that I think are, are just dangerous by what they, what they could potentially do if you argue from a similar premise, you know, um, just for a different situation. So I'm not a big fan of it. I mean, I, I certainly, um, 
have just like personal concerns and personal thoughts and how I would, you know, try to be friends with, with um, somebody who is considering this or thinking about this and, and whatnot. But um, I, I just think the government um, in true government fashion is inserting themselves into conversations that they probably shouldn't. Um, and like you said, if it was an instance where, um, you know, the child didn't want it, but the parent was pushing it. Yeah. Then the parent is abusing because like we said, like I said earlier, you know, the, the, the traditional instances that everybody agrees with that of child abuse, um, those are things where the child doesn't want this to happen or it should not be happening, such as physical, sexual, you know, things of that nature, or just neglect that are already like commonly agreed to. Yes, that's child abuse. So, yeah, and I don't think they would have needed to update the law in order to keep that stuff illegal. Like, no, no, they didn't. So, yeah, but again, I think. We spent a lot of time on this and it's not necessarily education, but again, I think this is just another part of the puzzle of keeping uh, children brainwashed or anything. But like they want to they, they you need to conform to what these conservative governments want a uh, their populace to be what they want their children to be. They want them to be uh, straight and heterosexual. They want them to not uh, explore that. I, I feel like. This is just speculation on my part, but based on these laws and what I, the rhetoric I hear, like I feel like they still f- are stuck in the mindset of being gay or trans is a choice and that these kids aren't born that way. Uh, I think that when you shift the lens of a kid is – if a kid – I don't – I still don't think they believe that kids can be born with boy parts but feel like a girl their whole lives. Like they think that's just a mental illness – and I think that was the, that was the same kind of lens and mindset in the 80s and 90s with, with homosexuals. So I, it's just an extension of that. But I think this also fits into the Florida bill, which has been dubbed the Don't Say Gay bill, which we can get into, unless you have anything else to wrap up the Texas bill. No, I mean, I, I think I would just think I would step back and say it's not how to, both parties want to control society. Um, and I think you can see it. More obviously, and I agree. Neither party is small, limited government. Yeah, neither party is right. So I, I think you know, for instance, on the Democratic side, I think they want to put into place um, laws that would, you know, in some instances, um, mo- mostly like a California, for instance, or Oregon, that would say essentially you shouldn't be able to say that you think somebody um, acting on homosexual desires is wrong. Um, you should only be able to affirm that or sit silent. And, and again, it's an idea of we want to mold and control society um, to speak, act and think the way that we think is best for society. Republicans, likewise, have the same mentality. They say, OK, we think this is what's best for our country and we want to mold and shape society to only say, think and believe, you know, in a way that we think it's going to set us up for future success. And again, my problem is with both is your only job is to protect the life, liberty, and property of your, of, you know, the individual citizens. Anything beyond that, you're overstepping. Yeah, I think that's obviously the libertarian viewpoint for sure. And I like again, both of us could have problems with the way somebody is parenting, but I, there there's a stark difference between the government needs to intervene and the government doesn't need to intervene. And I think the 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 line that needs to be crossed for the for government intervention is, you know, a very clear and deliberate act by the parents not, you know, seeking 
gender affirmative health care or whatever their myriad uh, issues that the government deems is there, you know. Yeah, I think broadly speaking, you say intentional harm. And are these parents doing intentional harm? And I think everybody would say, no, not intentionally. I mean, obviously, some people would say they're doing it, but not intentionally. But I think that's the difference, again, between what is universally agreed upon with with child abuse instances is that the parent was intentionally doing harm. Yeah. Even (laughs) we've we've (laughs) spent way more time on this topic. We do this a lot than I assumed we would. But even like the, the situations where like there are like fundamentalist religious parents who don't believe in modern medicine. So they try to treat their kids when they get sick with like homeopathic remedies and then that child dies. Like there's still a, that's not murder to me. I think those parents are idiots, but I don't think there was like malice or intent to hurt, to harm. They are just, um, I mean, they are brainwashed to lack of a better uh, phrase, but it's, it's again, they weren't intending to harm their child. They were obviously just mistaken in their beliefs. Do I think they should be held liable in some form or fashion? Probably, but I just don't think it reaches that reaches that level of like they they murdered them or even like manslaughter to an extent. Yeah, but on the Florida, we, we've we've talked about non education <laughs> things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's again. It's I think it, it ties in to me. It ties into this the whole what the whole conservative movement is focused on with with kids and what, how, how we're developing children in this country. Basically, I think it's all that the Texas thing is all a part of it, even though it's not directly tied to education. Um, it's indirectly tied because they're basically making transgender illegal <laughs> for the most part, like for kids. So, but yeah, the Florida thing, they just passed the law last week. Like I said, it's been dubbed the don't say gay bill. The initial version of it was way more vague and way more wide-ranging for what a teacher could get in trouble of. Uh, It looks like they focused it down, and now it's from kindergarten through third grade. Teachers aren't allowed to teach subjects that are not age or developmentally appropriate as as determined by state standards. Uh, So no gender identity or sexual orientation in K through third grade as part of the curriculum, as part of the teacher teaching it. A lot of the initial backlash before they kind of uh, honed it in was due to the fact that like if a child, which I mean, we live in 2022 now, if a child had gay parents, like that would technically fall under the bill and you could get in trouble for uh, having, you know, exploring a child's well, how, what if a child has two moms or two dads or how their family dynamic is, that would have been outlawed. It seems like that's not the case anymore, um, but it's still, as we know with the media and with politics, it's still been labeled that it's still being presented as that. Uh, but from what I've read, it's a little bit more homed in. How do you feel about Florida's? Again, we both have ties to Florida, so we, we know a little bit more about what's going on down there. Yeah, so I'll preface everything with if you had real school choice where individual schools had the autonomy to make these decisions on their own and citizens can go to any school they choose um, with a tax voucher, this wouldn't be an issue at all. But that's entirely uh, 
reformation of the entire education system. So that'll be next week. So tune in, oh, I guess two weeks from now. Tune in two weeks from now to see how uh, we can make education great again. You're spoiling our episode. I'm previewing our episodes. So you got to give the people what they want. Um, But I would say my biggest issue with this is it comes at the state level. Um, I am a pretty uh, big uh, proponent of I mean, essentially believing that uh, families should control the narrative when it comes to matters of identity and ethics. And I think all sex and personally, I think all sex in some way, shape or form is uh, tied to ethics to some varying degrees. And I think that should be done at the family uh, level. I would be more okay with this law if it was uh, given up to local jurisdictions and then the opt out clauses uh, for families once they had access to, and they also had access to the uh, kind of the curriculum that was going to be presented to the kids. Um, I think Loudoun County does this really well, actually, because every time they have family life education in Loudoun County, we get the uh, the entire packet that's going to be briefed and that's going to be taught to the kids, um, and when it's going to be taught, and we get uh, opt out <laughs> emails. Um, so we want to opt out. So I think if this was done at the local level instead of the state level. Um, and it was done the way I described where families knew what was going to be said and they could opt out if they wanted to. I don't think this is an issue, but my biggest issue is that it's, it's done too far away from the individual. Yeah. Again, I think you're way more of the libertarian viewpoint. I think that I don't think it's appropriate to teach K through third graders about sexual orientation, unless it makes sense in the context of whatever they're teaching. And I'm, I think that should be up to the school board. Like obviously in kindergarten, you're not talking about sexual orientation, but if a kindergartner has grown up with two moms or two dads and they're discussing, they do art projects and everybody's drawing their family and everybody has a, you know, a mother and a father and Timmy has two mothers and that sparks a conversation like that shouldn't, I don't, in my opinion, that, that sort of thing shouldn't be barred. It shouldn't necessarily be built into the curriculum. It doesn't necessarily need to be taught to everybody all the time. But I mean, if those situations come up, I don't think a teacher should be, should face, face punishment for explaining the situation and why it's not weird, why it's perfectly normal, that sort of thing. I think a lot of people are fearful that it's going to ostracize children. If, uh, that sort of thing comes up and the teacher has to, you know, bury it and shun it and, and make sure that everything is the way that the state government wants it. Uh, but again, that's not to say that I think that every K through third grader should be taught about, uh, sexual orientation or gender identity, unless I think that's what I don't want to repeat myself. I think the crux of the issue is that it's, it's a little too rigid for me. It needs to be like, don't put this in the curriculum uh, if it, if there's something adjacent in the curriculum, notify the parents, like kind of like what you said. But like if the situation arises, I don't think a teacher should have to run away from it. I think it's fine to address it and in, a, in an appropriate way for and in, I'll use their language in an age and developmentally appropriate way. Uh, and I think it, that's absolutely possible. And it's not like these kids even have an understanding really of what all the, this means necessarily. But that doesn't necessarily that doesn't mean they can't. They can't learn about it. Yeah, I think where the hard part comes in, though, is um, in addressing it. I think it, especially if you're addressing it on the spot, 
um, it would be really hard to address it in a way that does not give um, an opinion on the matter or does not um, suggest a right and wrong on the matter. And given that kids um, in many instances have practically no choice but to go to this institution, um, I, I think that's what the bill was was more or less targeting. And you know, I think it would be very difficult on the spot to give just a any answer other than that's something you should talk about with your parents. Um, what, but uh, what what let's pull that thread. <laughs> what could possibly be right or wrong if a child has two two same sex parents? Like that's that's all they've raised. That's what they've been raised, and that's all they know. And it comes up in class somehow. Again, it, it does not not from the teacher. It just comes up like you can address that. There's there's nothing. The teacher doesn't have to say this is morally right or wrong, but I don't see how addressing it is making a statement one way or the other. You can just like I don't think saying it's normal is saying it's right or wrong, although I don't think I mean, in my personal opinion, I think it's absolutely ridiculous to say it's it's wrong, but you can still explain that it's normal. This is something that happens that we're not going to get. We're not going back to the eighties or seventies or what, you know, whatever, whenever it was taboo to talk about homosexual relationships and couples, like we're in 2022 gay parents can adopt gay parents. Uh, you know, female, female can have, um, surrogates, lesbian couples can get impregnated with donor sperm. Like we're in a, we're in a world where this is going to, this is becoming more normal. Like, I think it's, I think it's weird to say you can't talk about it in a right or wrong situation. You just have to talk about it. Like it's normal. Like don't, don't make these children of non-traditional couples feel any different than anybody else. It's to me, it's normal. Uh, sometimes a man loves a man and sometimes a man loves a woman. There's nothing, there's no moral attachment to any of that. That's just the truth. The truth about the world is sometimes two men love each other. Sometimes two women love each other. That's not passing any kind of judgment one way or the other. Yeah. So admittedly, when I said that, I was thinking more so of a teacher that, for instance, might say, instead of saying it's normal, saying, oh, it's okay. And then the kid goes home and says, my teacher said it's okay to be this way. Sure. Um, and again, so it could be a complete innocent, just again, like um, flipping, trying to just, like you said, this is normal. It's I'm not I'm not giving an opinion or a direction on the morality of it other than to say, like, it happens or it's a reality. Um, I do also think that there are some teachers who would probably go beyond that and probably step beyond um, the scope of their work as a teacher and you know, talk about how great it is or how brave they are or kind of add virtue to the choice um, and to the, 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 you know, decisions that were made as far as, you know, you know, entering into a relationship with the same gender. And I think that would be what my biggest problem would be is if it's what a teacher is, is still at the, at the core, a, a government employee, and it's not the government's place to step in and provide moral or ethical direction. Um, especially when it's an institution like the school, which, I mean, you're, you're, you're legally forced to go to and practically in many situations don't have any other option. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I'm, I'm 100% with you that the government shouldn't be legislating yeah. morality. <laughs> like, yeah. And, and again, I, so I think in that situation, though, like, I think that would be where, and I, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but yeah, I think, in that, I think 
I think in the situation you described, that teacher should be um, admonished is probably, yeah, admonished and reprimanded probably to talk to. They should be talked to and explained to why you can't do that, right? Yeah. They shouldn't be taking a side in that matter. But I think it's absolutely fine to describe it as normal things that happen in this world. So yeah, that's but, but, that's my opinion on it. And I don't I, I think the I think the Florida don't say gay bill. I'm just going to call it that because that's what it's colloquially known as. Because like, nobody knows what SB 541 means. Exactly. It's just <laughs> easier shorthand. It's like calling ACA Obamacare. That's a pet peeve of mine, though. <laughs> yeah, it's I, I think that they wanted this to be more wide ranging and the backlash forced them to narrow its scope. I don't think they need to even be they're just muddying they're 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 towing the line, getting as close to the line as possible. And I just think like more legislation is going to come from this eventually. This is the uh, I hate the I hate the term slippery slope, but like this is the first step in that. Right. This is not I, I don't think this ends here. And again, I think this is going all this is all encompassing with the CRT thing. This is all part of the same thrust, in my opinion. Um, so while I don't think the the Florida bill is necessarily alarming right now, I do think that this is just the first, you know. Yeah. But I would say, too, like probably the other thing that the Florida bill was trying to um, prevent um, big, you know, we, we talked about this before, but with Loudoun County, they were adopting books um, K through 12 um, under the, I, I think, misnomer of diversity, diversity, equity and inclusion. Um, and part of that were books for the classroom where a prince slays, I'm sorry, a knight slays a dragon and rescues the prince. And I want to say, if I remember correctly, um, in reading the book that they kissed. And, and again, it was a book written for that K through third grade education. I think that was a first grade book. And then there were several books that, um, that were instances of, uh, homosexual, um, parents. And that was kind of a feature of the book, which for me, like what I've tried to say, you know, had I had more time, especially at the school board meeting was it's one thing to have a book like that as just a matter of fact, but it's a different thing to have a book like that in a way that would celebrate, endorse, or suggest any sort of correctness or incorrectness to it. And uh, this book, I think, we were pushing more of the um, celebrates way too strong, but it was uh, almost like a nobility in the, the same-sex parents, which, again, I, have, I do have a problem with that because, like, like you said, it shouldn't be part of a curriculum um, if it's brought up in class without the intent of the teacher, the teacher should be able to speak to like, this is normal or that's a decision their family made or, you know, that's not on us to have an opinion about because it's not our lives. But we're still going to treat everybody with respect, you know. But I think the way that things because like we said earlier, both sides want to control society and they want to push society in a direction. And I think one of the ways that probably I hate to use broad terms like this, but the quote unquote radical left would like to steer society. And as you mentioned before with the radical right, I think it's, I don't know if you said radical right, but then you said conservatives like want to indoctrinate children. There are, there are elements of society that are non-conservative that also want to do it. And they want to do it in this um, kind of subtle hand that rocks the cradle rules the world kind of way. Sure. And I think the main difference, and I'm going to be biased here is that when conservatives seem to do it, they're seeming to do it 
because they think that something is morally wrong. And when liberals are doing it, they're doing it as part of it's they're part of they're normalizing it. And I think normalizing is fine because normalizing, don't get me wrong. There are people who take, again, there are, there is stories I've read and I, I never researched them to see how true they are to throw back to the earlier conversation of like parents who are forcing transgenderism on their like three-year-olds who obviously can't make that determination for themselves. There are idiots on both sides for, for sure. But I think the main thrust is that having a gay knight is way more realistic than having a knight fight a dragon. And it's not necessarily celebrating it. It's just normalizing it. There are gay people in the world. Your children are going to meet gay people eventually. It's more and more common that their friends are going to have gay parents. It's just a, it's, it's the same goal as censorship. You're just trying to protect them from something that's eventually going, they're eventually going to find out about And it's not, I don't necessarily think it's on the state to inform your kids on how to think about that. But I also don't think that if the state, if again, this is uh, Texas and Florida are never going to do this, but if California has a book where the book is about Clifford, the big red dog, and he gets lost and a gay couple finds him and returns him to his house. Like that's not saying anything about the morality of gay people. The couple that finds him just happened to be gay. It's just normalizing gay people. And I, I, again, I'm going to be on the side of that's fine. I think normalization of it is well, well within the bounds of, you know, these laws and what is appropriate for kids or not. Again, if, if the gay couple is like celebrated as for, for being gay, that's passing some sort of morality judgment on that. But if it's just so happens that the knight is gay and the, you know, he saves or rescues a prince to me that there's zero problem with that. If again, it's, it's about the focus of the story. If the focus of the story is that the knight's gay and, and he's, you know, I don't, I'm going to say lusting for a children's book, but like it's only doing, he only has going on these adventures because he's gay and, and he's doing noble acts because he's gay. That's a, a completely different thing than, turning the trope of the knight rescuing the princess on its head by having the princess be the prince outside. I like the, the kissing thing might be a little too far for me. I, I don't know. I'd have to see it uh, and understand what you said. First grade and I'll take your word for it. Uh, that's, you know, I don't think, I don't necessarily think first graders should be watching, seeing anybody kiss that's let alone gay people. Well, um, that was going to be my, my point as well is that I, I'm not saying because it's gay, it's wrong. I'm saying that the family should control the conversation and have first rights to the conversation of, of relationships, of uh, attraction, of dating, of kissing, of sex, of all of these things that the state should not um, at any point in time, try to have the first word or the controlling word in that conversation. Um, and, and that to me where there is a problem. And again, I think at some point, the difference between like the example you gave where a teacher is responding to a question or a topic brought up in class, where they more or less try to just move on from it and say, hey, it's normal or that's them or, or whatever. Um, the, to me, there's a big difference between that and reading a story that would... I think in the heart of a, a first grader say like, Oh, this is okay. Because there is a difference between normal and okay. And I think when you, when you do something, for instance, like that through children's literature, um, you are trying to get first word on this conversation and certainly trying to control the narrative 
And I think that's just a gross overreach. And to your point, I would have been upset if it was, you know, after the dragon is slain <laughs> that he's kissing the princess. Um, because I think quite honestly, we've seen, you know, at least over the last 10 to 15 years with the Me Too movement that a few too many princes or uh, wannabe princes has been taking too much liberty in who they can kiss and when they can kiss. So, uh, again, I think there's a morality to yeah, all yeah. of this that the family has to be the one that interjects into their children. And the government never – I would say the government's goal should be to live above reproach in this area. And I don't think the government is trying to do that or is successfully doing that on either side. Yeah, I, I think that – I think it kind of forces I, – I, I agree that – I mean, I just said it and you you said it as well. Like the kissing of the prince or princess is already inappropriate for that age rage. It doesn't matter if he's gay or not. Like, But I think I think we've all – we definitely have like the, the history of, you know, heterosexual and homosexual normalization in the country. Like we all grew up with the – the knight rescues the princess and they embrace and kiss at the end. That's like every Disney movie sleeping beauty is a kiss from a prince. Like all of that is not age appropriate for the kids. Uh, and I think having swapping the genders and making it a homosexual situation is shining a light on that, thus forcing both of them to be taken out. And I'm, I'm like I said, I'm okay with that. You, but if you're going to show the knight kiss the princess, I have no problem showing the knight kiss the prince. To me, it's the same. It's not any different. And I take a little bit of umbrage saying that you can't say that there's a difference in saying something's normal and something's okay. It's okay if Timmy has two dads. It's okay if Timmy has two moms. There's nothing wrong with Timmy. That's a decision his parents made. I think that's the the change in language. It's 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 not passing a moral judgment, but like singling out Timmy and if you have a class of 10 and nine of them are asking, you know, my parents or my Sunday school or my synagogue or my whatever is, it was a madras for Islam. I feel like I should know that uh, the religious schools, whatever uh, any of that says that being gay is, you know, wrong is against God or whatever. Uh, I guarantee more first and second graders know the or have an, have heard an opinion on the morality of that from their religious parents or their religious schooling than they have like from a teacher in school. And I think that when you get those, I think that causes a lot of the activism you see in teachers is like, they're not getting this anywhere else. So I have to give it to them. I don't necessarily agree with that. I agree with the being a public employee. It's the same thing as that. What was it? Kentucky when that woman wouldn't sign Marriage certificate. The marriage yeah. certificate. It's the exact same thing. You're you're a government employee. It does. I don't care what your opinion is. Go find another job. Uh, it's it's basically the same with these the, the teachers, right? Like it's not your job to decide what somebody else's kids should learn outside of the approved curriculum. But I don't think you should be punished for addressing stuff that comes up in class naturally and that you answer in a you know a mostly neutral way. But I, for me, I think. I don't know. I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but like just from the how the conversation has gone for me, neutral means that's it's normal that you can, you can say that's normal. Two men can love each other. Just like two women can love each other. Just like a man and a woman can love each other. That's, that's normal. That's what the world is today. I think for you, neutral is more saying that thing exists that they Timmy's parents exist. 
And I think it's, I, I would go one step further and say, it's okay that Timmy's parents are, or, or that, that Timmy has gay parents. I think that that step further of saying it's okay that Timmy's parents are gay is more, more ambiguous to me, but saying it's okay for Timmy to have gay parents. Cause it's not Timmy's choice. It's he, that's Timmy's Timmy. He didn't have a say in the matter. Um, and normalizing that that sort of thing happens is well within, you know, the bounds of what a teacher should be able to do to me. For me. Yeah. And, and I guess I'm, I didn't do a good job of communicating. Cause I, I think it would be fine if the teacher said that's normal. Um, and then I, I don't think I would have a practice. I know I wouldn't have a problem if they said it's okay. Um, again, cause they're not saying it is morally okay. They're saying like, it is okay that they made that decision is normal because again, I don't, I don't think normality um, suggests right or wrong. There are a ton of wrong things that are normal. There are a ton of right things that are normal. Yeah. Um, so I'm not saying at all, just that, that neutral means it exists. I would say neutral just means um, it's legal. It's well, you, you, you just don't <laughs> give an opinion on, on rightness or wrongness. Um, you sure. just uh, uh, speak to the reality of the situation as it is. Um, but I do think there's a difference between, again, like a teacher responding to like a question or to a thought or whatever the case is versus in any way trying to influence the thought of a child um, on, on matters such as this. Um, and when I say matters such as this, I'm not saying such as homosexuality. I'm saying on matters such as anything that is in any way an ethical or moral position, um, because it's just not the appropriate role of government. And I think the school would be one of the biggest, biggest oversteps because of the way people are essentially forced into only a public school option. Yeah. I, I mean, this is again, going to go into our third episode and we might need four because we're, we're running over an hour and we, we didn't hit the last point I wanted to talk about, but that's fine. I think, I think it'll fit right in with the next episode anyway. Uh, but yeah, I think, I think that we're going to have some disagreements on the school choice thing. For sure. Because you want to control society because you're a Democrat. Uh, I mean, both parties (laughs) want to control society for sure. Uh, But I'm a libertarian, so I don't. I never said you you did. I think that uh, there are serious flaws in the school choice argument. But there are, you know, pros just like there are cons. Yeah. I think that having a baseline public school system is fine. I think we have a... You, you've brought it up a couple of times in passing. I think forcing people to go to public schools and then making some of these decisions is probably the, a problem, right? Like, obviously, they're not forced. There's homeschool options and whatnot. But, like, if you are in the public school system, there are truancy laws. There are uh, – every kid needs to be educated. And if that's – if you're going to pass something like that or make that the law of the land, you also need to – kind of keep we've been talking about this whole time as the underlying point is like you have to be morally in the morally gray area because it's not up to government what what is moral say that again i don't think i follow your thought there yeah i kind of had a burp in the middle of it so uh uh you how could i phrase this better if you're going to make going to school mandatory which a lot of places are like you can be homeschooled but if you're not homeschooled you have to be in school you can't 
take moral stances of the kind that we've been talking about this whole episode and of other kinds. That's not the, the government in all situations, not just education. The government really shouldn't be the one, the moral authority we've seen throughout history in this country and in other countries that uh, the morality of a country changes over time for sure. And that stuff that was moral a hundred years ago, 200 years ago is absolutely not. We, we absolutely do not find it moral today. Mm-hmm. So, so that's where I think your, your school choice point will be strongest for me. Yeah, no, it'll be a fun conversation. One, cause nobody seems to ever want to engage in like a conversation about education reform. That's just, that doesn't get it going for most people. So that'll, that'll be a fun episode to do. But um, it, it, I think we both, by and large agree on, you know, what the function of the school should be on, on this particular matter and the problems with either party controlling the narrative. I know we had Texas and Florida today, which are uh, Republican governed, but uh, again, there's just a principled problem with, with the government trying to, to control a narrative or force society into ethical positions. So it'll be inter- interesting to see, uh, what Governor DeSantis does in, in 2024, because I feel like he's taken more pronounced, more bold uh, positions since since people started speculating that he might be. Yeah, he's, be adding to, he's adding to his resume. He's taking he's basically taking all the mainstream conservative ideas and putting them into action in Florida right now. Uh, that's been his his uh, shtick for the last couple of years. So, yeah, we'll see that. That's a whole other conversation about what's going to happen in 2024. We'll probably do that this podcast still exists uh, next year when things start to shape up, maybe after the midterms, we'll see how it goes. But yeah, this was uh this conversation didn't necessarily go. None of they never do. They never go exactly how I thought they would. Uh, we've got some more points to hit in the next episode, the next part on education, but I think we'll be able to hit them and school choice all in an hour. So not, not a big deal, but as always say it every single time I say it to Thomas every single time, join the discord. <laughs> The link is in the description. We have great conversations. You won't be disappointed. Follow us on Twitter at the rake, but the A's of four at Thomas black underscore 86 at OVO deep state. We appreciate you for listening. This has been a, our, our first, you know, multi-part series. We're two thirds of the way done. I, I, I like the direction it's gone. I think we've had some good conversation about it, uh, but hopefully we can finish it off in one more episode. If not, we're going to have to, stretch this one out to a four-parter either way it'll all be good i think everybody will enjoy it yeah hopefully people enjoy it otherwise what are we doing here all right guys we we appreciate you for listening (laughs) take it easy guys